Welcome back, baseball family. We have a very special interview with Jeff, don't call me cilantro, Celentano, and Ricky Hill. <laughs> Jeff is the director of the movie The Hill, which is a movie about Ricky's life. We're so happy to have them here. Thank you both for joining us. We really appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure of ours to be here, man. So before very we get good. into anything about the movie, we're going to give them the same treatment we give all of our guests, which is a rundown. So Jeff, first question is coming your way. What is your quest? My quest in life? Your quest in general. My quest in general is to wake up every day feeling happy, healthy, and full of, full of energy and living life to the max. I've always been that guy. Um, no matter where I am, I wake up every day and say to myself, I'm going to do something different today. I'm going to change my habits. And uh, if I drink coffee for a month straight, I the next month don't drink it. Or I try to aspire to that. It doesn't always work. But uh, so my quest is to really, you know, it's funny when you get older, like you're still 25 in your mind, but your body says, uh-uh, you know, and that's kind of kind of what's been happening to me. I, I'm I'm an avid surfer. I I get in the ocean a lot and surf and um, got to get my body uh, lined up for that every day. So instead of waking up and jumping in the water, I got to do a whole bunch of stretching, stuff like that. And um you know, my quest is to keep making movies till I'm till I'm dead. I love what I do. I think I was put on the earth to do it. I mean, it's I was an actor for many years and I loved it, but it wasn't my calling. And then when I started making movies, I realized that it was a lot better to make movies to take a whole year than as an actor. You have all this time in between all the jobs you don't get. And then you got to go to the dry cleaner, the bank, you wash your dog just to take up the time of the day. But as a director... You're on movies for a year or two. And I've been on the Hill for 16 years trying to get yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Great hey. thing. Take a while to get made, you know? That's right. That's right. Ricky, same question to you. What is your quest? Well, I'm a little different from him because I'm not a, uh, I'm not a, a uh, producer or a director or anything like that. Mine is, uh, Keeping my faith intact, okay, and uh, serving uh, serving my God the way I'm supposed to. That's my quest in life. And then golf. Without, yeah, yeah. Without having to kill somebody, you know, one of those deals. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, that's my quest, and uh, and then plus shoot uh, in golf, 66, 66, 66, and 66. <laughs> there you go. Good question. That's yeah. great. All right, Jeff. What is your favorite color? Blue. Aqua mm -hmm. blue, actually, to be exact. That's I like the color. specificity. Yeah. 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 You know, goes with the ocean. Ricky, who's your favorite baseball team? Honestly, I don't have one. Ah, that's going to make this next question hard. Go to the next yeah. one, then, Brick. Just go to the okay. Next one. If baseball was an ice cream flavor, what would it be? Uh, dream sickle. Ooh, that's Ooh. Really good. Right. that's a hot take. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Jeff, uh, if the Phillies, your favorite team, was a beverage, what would it be? Root beer. Mm. Yep. Instant. Just reminds me of the uh, back there, you know, A and W root beer. You remember that? 
Oh, oh you yeah. Guys, you guys are only 12. You don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter, yes. my daughter, my daughter is special needs and she only eats about a handful of things. But one thing she loves more than anything is A&W root beer. Wow. Well, tell her <laughs> that she has a fan here. Yeah. I'll let her know. <laughs> okay, Ricky, last question for you. What is one unpopular baseball opinion that you have? One unpopular? Mm-hmm. It's uh, too political. Mm-hmm. To, um, it's totally, um, it's been this way since even the 70s. Um, everything is uh, bought. It's not, um, uh, they just want to let the game be free and play the game the way it's supposed to. That's my, uh, that's been my beef since uh, day one. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I worked, I worked, I worked with the Association of Professional Baseball Players. And um, this might sound kind of rough, but we wanted a limited amount of uh, foreigners playing in our, in the United States. And uh, that was a beef. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. How long ago was that? Uh, 75. Mm-hmm. When, okay. when we first started. Oh, I, thought, I thought you were going to say it was back when that guy carved those commandments in the stone and the other guy invented that round wheel. <laughs> uh, you know what? That's, that's exactly, exactly what I was thinking because I was thinking of Jeff at the time. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'll think of Jeff and his uh, all his rocks that he used to throw. But they were big, huge boulders. Him pushing them, pushing them along with Pharaoh uh, when they were trying to cross the Red River. Um, I don't mean to veer off, but I just want you guys to know that Ricky hit two thousand rocks a day with a stick every day. He was so bored and poor, and and when he was eight, that's what he did. That's why he's getting me back now because. I did not hit 2,000 rocks a day, that's for sure. Wow. Yeah, that would be incredible if I did that. Well, the problem was is he couldn't even hit one because he'd miss it. That's true. <laughs> that's true. I would. I would. I'm, I'm terrible. No, I was an athlete my whole life. Come on. Yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't hit he couldn't hit he couldn't hit water if he jumped off the ship. Oh, <laughs> it's a shot fire. They're flying now. Rick, Rick, did you lose some weight? It's like throwing a chair off the Titanic. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought up the 2000 rocks because that is something that got depicted very well in the film, right? The boredom was very palpable. The uh, Not that the film was boring, but the, the, the depiction of the boredom was very real and apparent, I think, as viewers. Uh, and it sounds like that was a really important part of, of Ricky's story and his upbringing. Would you say that's, was that super deliberate? I'm assuming it was. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I, mean- I, I, lived, I lived in the, I lived in, uh, I had to have places where there's rocks uh, because that's all I did all day long. It, it was free and uh, uh, so I just I dove into rocks hitting them all day long with a stick. Yeah, he had a he had like a natural talent anyway. And then, of course, you combine that with all that time he spent on the railroad tracks hitting the little stones. His eye hand coordination is unbelievable. Like that's why he's such a like a scratch golfer. Yeah, he, it's just anything you put in his hand with a stick and a rock or a ball or an object. He's just going to be able to he can aim it. Um and um, 
I validated all this. I mean, this is all real. Even Dennis Quaid said, what Ricky did in this movie, I can't even believe this story has never been told and that it's real. Like, who the heck does that? Like, I, I, I said, I have all the documentation. And then when he met Ricky, when Dennis met him and had dinner with him, he was blown away at the story. Ricky gets very passionate when he talks about the story and um, just tells you what he went through. I mean, it's such an inspirational movie uh, for everybody because I think that everybody can relate to wanting something so bad you can taste it and you have all the talent in the world, but you can't get there. It's kind of like this movie. Um, I was just talking to somebody today about it. They said, Jeff, this movie's so good. Every time I go, I cry six times, like seven times. I get emotional. I come out. I'm so excited when I come out. I'm so inspired. Your, your movie's going to do great. And I said, you know, I love this movie. And I think this movie, once it catches on, is the perfect movie for everybody. Um, but today, there's so much out there. We got to push through all the muck to get noticed because you could have the best movie in the world unless people see it they don't know you know yeah mm -hmm. and every now and then i get that strange friend of mine who'll call me from like philly you know funny enough and he'll call me and he'll say hey he's a pretty prolific guy you know he's a writer screenwriter and he'll say hey um when's your movie what's going on with your movie i said what you haven't seen all the press you know oh. there's, that, there's that one guy because we have a lot of press and briarcliff's killing it out there and we have a lot of great stuff going on like you guys, but never everybody's going to ever get, you know, get the message. And so I just yeah. want that message to get spread across the country because it's really a, I set out to make a period classic film like the old ones that we love, like Feel the Dreams. And mm -hmm. and I've had a couple of people in the test screening come up to me, an old man with tears in his eyes. And he said, you, you moved me, sir. I have not seen a movie like this in Feel the Dreams. So. Wow. You know, Ricky, Ricky's life, you know, what he went through, we, we depicted the, the, you know, how poor they were. I mean, they ate cornbread and drank milk. That's what mm -hmm. they ate for dinner. And the yeah. dad made 50 no, I, bucks, no, a, not, 50 bucks a month. Yeah, that's not all necessarily true. I also ate Alpo uh, out of dog food can uh, several times. He actually so, did, funny enough. That's the honest truth. I had to eat dog food. Yeah. That's why his bark is a little louder than normal. That's right. Exactly. That, that, that's why that uh, when I get around there, anybody want to fist fight me, they get chewed up. Ricky, I have a question about that specifically. The film shows a lot of, thematically, there's a lot of dialogue around gifts and opportunities and and chances and then life sort of taking those away from you, right? Stripping them from your the grip that you've held them in so tightly. Um, I have personal experience with that in my life. I'm I'm also have spinal fusion. I heard that you you do as well, and with the rods and the cages in in our back. It's how have you dealt with that as a person? Those opportunities, things just keep keeping getting taken away from you, and yet you continue to press forward and fight and achieve and reach. How do you do that, man? Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny. It's funny because uh, the other day, they uh, I've had people ask me. You know, I've gone through two, through a couple two windshields going eighty miles an hour. It didn't even knock me out. Um, I've gone through so much uh, surgeries that too much, too many to even count. I mean, I quit. I quit actually counting them in, in the thirties. And, 
But yeah, I just uh, continued uh, going on because uh, I've had pain more than I've had relief. So I just got used to the pain. So that's that's my next film. I got to get used to the pain, you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes really, uh, sometimes I call him and he's laying on his back in his house on the floor when it's raining. I'll say, "What's going on, Rick? You all right?" And he said, "No, I'm laying on my floor all spread out." Cause I can't get up. It is so painful. And, um, and then he'll, you know, he'll, the next week I see him, he looks like he'd run the marathon. It's the strangest thing. He's just yeah, got a just... metabolism or something. Yeah. The, the humidity gets me. If anything, uh, rain gets me. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, uh, I'm good, but I'm, Hey, honestly, be up, be up front with you. Um, I've been, I've been doing very well. I've been taking this product that's out of this world and to right to today, I have no inflammation in my body whatsoever, which is wow. almost, almost basically impossible at my age. That's fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, congratulations. I was really curious just because Dennis Quaid is like, was like, he was the rookie, right? Like one of the one of the other big baseball movies. I'm curious if he was always the guy to play Ricky's dad, or if it was kind of like he went through a list of names and then he was, and then he kind of popped out, and and then I guess it probably agreed to. You don't. He's not somebody you audition, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> Dennis, was, Dennis was definitely um, on the top of the list. He was. There was. There's always a list. Yeah. But when I look at the list. In a, in, a, in a grouping when the casting director gives it to you, you or you put your own list together, you guys sit and talk about all the qualities of James Hill. Not only that, who he was, but also who you, who you want to, how you want to portray him. And there was nobody that had, obviously Costner and Dennis have fought over sports movies. They're all not fought, but they've battled uh, who's going to play what. And Costner's great, but Dennis had an unbelievable uh, quality that, I felt was it like a, a complete circle of a perfect man. He's like this tough guy. He can be a cowboy and strong and scary, but he can also be the warmest, fuzziest, sweet, lovable teddy bear. And I needed that in the movie. I needed a guy that everybody can relate to. Um, matter of fact, it's funny you brought that up. Dennis was number one choice for this part. Um, after we sat, sat and talked about it, absolutely hands down, but every other role had, the similar kind of thing that Dennis had. I wanted everybody to be, especially little Ricky. I wanted him to have unconditional love, like a dog, like you kick him and it just comes back and licks you. That's how little Ricky was Ricky when he was young, you know, he was so innocent and, you know, he'd fall down and get hit or get bullied. He'd stand back up and he'd fight through it. And then he'd smile at you. And so I think that if you saw the film, every cast member to me, was perfectly cast. And that's not because I directed the movie. I mean, I've made a lot of movies and you'll never hear me say, I say, I like my cast, great cast, but you're never going to hear me say what I'm saying now, which is every single person fit the part to the T. And they all had a certain quality that I think every person can relate to in some way. Like when a family goes to see this movie, I'm sure people go, I know those people, they live next door to me, you know? Yeah. Uh, that relate to each person or, or I had a dad like that and you know I wanted the dad to be tough but super understanding and I wanted the audience to relate to him that he cares about his son he's not 
he's not being a tough father just because he's he's an egomaniac. He's the opposite. He he was uh, very in love with being a pastor and wanted to carry that on to his son. And when he saw his son wanted to play baseball, he said, no, you're going to get bullied and ridiculed and, and uh, possibly in a wheelchair the rest of your life if you try to play this game. I mean, everybody told him he couldn't play. The doctors, the mm-hmm. his friends, everybody. And there were certain people that believed in him and believed in his will and pushed him, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Dennis really portrayed the father. He, he One of the best performances I've ever seen. He told me it's one of the best roles he's had ever, um, yeah. because it was a lot of it was a lot of complex guy for him. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of different things for him to play. As he, I'll quote Dennis: "There's a lot of meat on the bone in this one for me." <laughs> That's awesome. But I, I, I think you're right though. The casting was perfect. Sometimes you'll see a movie and you're like, "I get it," but I don't like buy that person in that role. Right. But right. everybody had me completely bought in on all of them. It was fantastic. Everybody yeah, you just said the two words, bought in, meaning meaning that, like, I, I rarely see any movie where I get absorbed into the movie and I kind of don't know where I am. But I've seen The Hill a thousand times. And every time I watch it, I kind of forget I'm watching it because I get so involved in the people. Yeah. That was a, that was a sheer luck. That, that chemist, chemistry is everything. And that chemistry just clicked with everybody. Like, the three little kids... They were like best friends through the whole movie shoot. And then they leave and we bring in the next group of three kids that are older and they got along the whole time, like perfectly, like they were best friends. So they created a family. And if you look at Dennis and Joelle Carter and grandma and all the kids in, 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 in the family, never for a second do you think they're not a family. Like they look like they're, and, and, and then of course, what really gets me in movies is the, the when the kids grow up, you know, you, you have this little boy and girl and, and brother that you got to fall in love with for four, 50 pages. And then yeah. 50 pages more, you give them somebody else, they get pissed. They're like, yeah, the families, <laughs> people that are watching the movie, the audience is like, you just took away that kid I fell in love with. And now you give me another kid. I better fall in love with him. And you do. Colin, to me, looks all the kids look just like the younger versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. That was important to me. Well, yeah. Well, Colin, Colin's so good looking. That he just fit the role perfect for me. Oh, uh, that's yeah. <laughs> well, guys, don't ask me what I think of that question. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, hey, Ricky. Ask, yeah. Ricky, next question for you is the 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 sheer pressure of that tryout. I think what came through really well in the film. Obviously, that's kind of the pinnacle moment, but. Immediately following that, can you take us a little bit further past the narrative of the film and just tell us kind of how it how it went afterward? Like through yeah, it, once you got in the minor leagues and everything? Yeah, I can. Um, first of all, I knew that I had a limited amount of time. Very limited because of uh, they already let me know that my my spine at 17 years old, I really knew it at 14. They let me know that um, that I um, that my discs were just crumbling, and um, they even told me when I was I think I was uh, I was 17 that I had the disc of a 75 year old man at one time, um, but I accepted it and went ahead and went along with it, and it. It, it was something that I said, you know what? It doesn't matter what I have. I'm playing. Uh, I'm, I, 
I think I told Jeff this too, that I'm playing and until I retire goes flat. And, uh, yeah, I played, I played, what people didn't understand what I did was I actually played five seasons and, uh, but I played year round. I played winter ball every year somewhere, whether it be Mexico, whether it be Venezuela, um, uh, or, uh, I played one 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 uh, winter ball in Italy, and then I played. Um, but I played year round. People don't even realize that. And what you know, that kind of double. That's like playing a double season. And uh, because I, I I was limited amount of time of how much time that I had to make it to the big leagues. And uh, uh, in, in 1978, uh, I got on a roll. Because I was designated hitter that year, '78, uh, I'd never let anyone know about my spine. I did some things that you shouldn't be doing just to play ball, but uh, putting yourself at risk of being paralyzed. And uh, uh, but uh, I, in '78, my grand total home runs that year, at 488 at bats, I hit 51 home runs, and. Uh, that's an awfully big year to huge year. have going. Yeah, to go in to go into your next year not knowing, you know, if you, you know, if you can even walk, right? You know, it's just when your disc had crumbled down to nothing. Um, I went to the spring training the following year, and the San Diego Padres was taking me up to the big leagues, and uh, I collapsed diving into second base i had no legs for um i didn't walk i was in traction in the hospital for three months because back then guys they didn't have anything to uh hardly do for you especially when you have no disc um none and everything i've got inside of my body right now is giving me life again because of uh technology and uh these screws that I have in my spine, you know, I have nine of them, and uh, and I have six cages, and I have a rod that holds me all together. And so back then, I couldn't even think about ever, you know, coming back, making a comeback. I, I knew when it was over, but I knew the day was coming. They let me know. And uh, because uh, after that big night that we had down at, at that big night that you saw, I got offered 47 scholarships and before nobody, nobody even wanted me before because they didn't want me because of when I snapped my ankle half in two is like Achilles tendon. So therefore they thought my whole baseball career was over, but I'm a fighter, man. I came back, I came back and, uh, and, uh, I started getting bigger. And larger, I, I wound up weighing 239, and uh, I was 6'1 and a half. And then I became a power hit, a very strong power hitter. And each year that I got just a little older, I was just getting more power, even though my spine hurt me every time I swung it. It didn't matter. I'm swinging it. I'm swinging for the fence, for the fence every, every time I got up to bat. That's beautiful. 
You have to pardon Again. my emotional response. I, I'm a, I, I understand what you're saying, and it's wonderful. You do understand, don't you? I know. I know you do. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a, a feeling that you know that you li have a limited amount of time. Think about it. So, I'm not going to go to college because that's going to be a waste of four years for me to go college when I'm got offered a baseball professional contract right out of the gate from this big huge camp that I was the only one out of 700 ball players that wind up wind up signing a contract with with a you know with the MLB team and I'm the only one period that which was very fortunate I mean, this story goes on and on and on, man. I'm telling you, I, it, we we could do we could do a um, probably ten years of a series on this thing. They should, Jeff. Let's get on that. All right, no, <laughs> you know, Ricky Andre Dawson was Ricky's roommate back in the day, and uh, they did all they traveled all those games together. They were super close. And you know who he is, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He yeah, tells great amazing. stories about Andre Dawson and him. There, there were so many moments of Ricky's life that we wanted in the movie. Just in, interesting things that happened to him. There were so many that we couldn't in the movie be four hours. So it was, it was hard to kind of take those little babies away and, you know, send them off somewhere else. But we, we ended up making the movie. Um, the way you know, the best we could with the story that I felt really compacted what happened. You know, the movie's two hours long, so it seems fast when people watch it. They go, I had no idea it was two hours, it felt like an hour and a half. But, um, you know, I had an incredible editor, we had an incredible crew. I mean, my producer Warren Ostergaard killed it. I mean, he, he and I went through the we were in the war together, we went through the trenches, you know, we were in the trenches. Um, and he worked tirelessly on this movie from the day you met me and he's, he's been trying to deliver this movie for a year and a half, almost two years now. And we were, we were paid two years ago. I mean, we, we still love the movie. We'll never give up. You know, we're like Ricky. As I told Ricky, when he met me, I said, he said, I was, the, I walked up to Red Murph and I said, I'm the best hitter you're ever going to see. And that rang true to me inside. And I walked up to Ricky when I met him, I shook his hand. I said, I'm the best hitter you're ever going to see. That's why you need yeah. me. That's and there awesome. are a lot of bigger directors with bigger careers trying to get this movie away from me. But everybody around me just kept me, you know, Ricky included, just kept me in, in their sights and said, no, we're not going to make this movie without Jeff. His, his heart is full of this movie, you know, and it's, it's always been. This is well, not even a movie to me. This is like a lifelong journey for me that I don't think I'll ever have again, no matter what I make. This is a special movie. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, I got I got to brag on him. I got to brag on him because I always do. Uh, not that I want to, trust me, but I am. Um, he, uh, when he came to me um, after I spent uh, one hour with him, uh, and then the next day I spent time with him again. Uh, I knew he was the one, and I just I just interviewed over forty something directors uh but i knew he was the one he had this uh he had this heart that 
black mind. It's uh, it beats and it beats so hard that it believes it believes in winning, and I knew I could see it, and I, I'd already been through so much crap through all these all these directors out there that you know are full of whale manure and uh so um but when i met jeff i knew without a doubt he was the one and you know what once again i'm right (laughs) (laughs) well that's it i had we could i had to say I had to say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't be sorry. The best compliment I've ever gotten. An underhanded compliment. I like it. <laughs> so I, I have I one more question. I try to tell everybody I'm right all the time. I'm right all the time. But yeah. for some reason, they don't believe me. But I'm telling you, I'm right. I was right again. <laughs> and, uh, and look what he did. He, he, puts his, he puts his whole team together, which is absolutely miraculous. And... Uh, and I'm sitting there going through my mind going, I cannot believe what all he's put together. And uh, he worked so hard at it. Uh, like I said, uh, I hate to say this to him, but, you know, I was right again, you know. Uh, but, yeah, he was um, he was it. He was, he was as, as today we'd say, man, he was a dope. He was it. <laughs> So I have one more question for you before we get out of here. I don't know if Brig has one more as well, but I'm curious. You talked about how there was, I mean, it could have been a four hour movie. Was there one scene, uh, like a deleted scene that you wished could have stayed in the movie, but just had to go just for time constraint? Yeah, there's a tiny, tiny little scene. Tiny. Um, it's where little Ricky and um, his sister are sitting in the bedroom and he has a sock full of change and he dumps it out on the table. It's so cute. And he says, uh, she says, where'd you get all that money? He says, I've been saving it. You know, I, I, I jumped down into the, into the ditch on the street and I pick up every penny. And she says, he, she says, that's disgusting. And he says, yeah, there's a lot of rats down there too, but it don't matter. You know, and that's kind of the scene. And he said, I'm saving this for daddy because I want to buy him a hamburger and a Coke for Christmas. And that scene breaks my heart. It's so sweet. But you know, time-wise, and, and we had it didn't fit where it was. We moved it around, and it never really fit. They go right from there to that 50s diner you saw, and they buy the burger. Um, that, that burger scene broke my heart. When I read that, I cried my eyes out. And yeah. the scene itself really, really was something. And um, so I had to take it out. It was hard for me because it was so sweet. Um, right after that scene, the coach comes to the door. It gets real for stuff. Stuff gets real for the family, as you know. It does, and yeah. um, and so that scene just didn't fit there. It was uh, I had to lose it. It was sad. Um, you know, you can't keep all the children in the movie. You want to keep your babies, but you got to send them off to another movie. You know, and so yeah. that'll probably be in the outtakes. Uh, There's a couple other little moments. You know, um, Earl. You know, Earl was uh, he's a little moment outside the church after. He kind of takes Dennis on and he's going to kind of go at Dennis there. But we felt it was overkill because the next scene, you know, he picks him up at the at the bar where he's yeah. coming out, and gives him a ride home. So which is a great depiction of the dynamics of the family and, and of his dad and everything with 
you know, like I'm willing to whoop you if I have to, but I'm still going to put my arm around you at the same time. And I think that speaks to who Ricky is and his character. And I'm glad that came through in the film. Well, you know, it's funny. That seems very funny. Uh, Dennis said, I'm not hitting the guy. I said, no, <laughs> I'm going to look like a wimp. I said, I'm going to make you look like a hero. You are yeah. not look like a wimp. And if you watch the scene, he never touches the guy except to push him away. Yeah. You know, the guy, he pushes him out of the way on the one scene, part of the scene. And then the other one, the guy swings Dennis Ducks and pushes him down. He never touches the guy with a fist or uh, open hand or anything. So that was important to me because I felt that Pastor Hill uh, had enough sense to know how to fight. He's a tough man. Ricky's dad was a tough man. But he also knew that this guy was drunk and he just wanted to give him a ride home. He didn't want to, he didn't want to beat him up. So we, I think we covered that pretty well. Um, it's little subtle moments like that, like the scene where he takes his son out back. Oh, that's my favorite scene of the whole film. That was film. a great scene. Well, well, let me tell you, that was a lot of struggle to figure that one out. And I'll tell you a two-second story. It's brilliant. There was a line at the end of that scene that Dennis was supposed to say. He says to the kid, just go on in. The, the, the punishment's already happened or something. And Dennis said, why do I have to say that line? I said, because it took me about six months to figure that line out. <laughs> we had to come up with the perfect line. We had to come up with the perfect line that covered what you're feeling. He goes, "Why can't I just feel it?" I said, "The audience won't get it." He said, oh, "Okay, all right, I'll do it." And then he he did the scene, and I'm watching the scene. And he gets to that last moment where he's making a decision what to do when he's about to, you know, punish his son. And Dennis just lost it. He started crying, and he broke down. And I was. I was crying and the crew, I looked like some grips had tears in their eyes. And I said, what is going on? And I walked over to cut and I walked over to Dennis. I put my arm around him. I said, that was beautiful. Where did that come from? And he goes, that my dad just came into my soul right then. And I just remembered everything that ever happened to me as a kid with him. And this brought back all those memories. And then he looked at me and he smiled and he said, you still need the line. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, obviously not i think yeah, you crushed yeah, yeah. it by the way okay <laughs> so so kudos to to dennis in that story but you're not giving yourself enough credit for lining the shot up perfectly so that we look over the boy's shoulder into dad's eyes and we get to see the pain juxtaposed between both characters at the same moment and deal with all of that emotion in about this big a box so wow. you deserve a lot of credit there as well, okay? Thank you, man. That had nothing to do with time. We had no time. We had one shot. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> that, that was a lot of that was a lot of work to figure that one out and to, and to, and to have and and I thank you for saying that because to have enough guts in an emotional scene like that, not to push the camera up on an actor's face to make sure you get in their face, that was hard for me. Um, that was a real emotional scene in the movie, a big pivotal scene for Dennis's character and the son, and I didn't want to be off of them. I wanted to be on their faces like this close, but it didn't work. It feel right. And we, I said, let's do it like this. And then everybody on sets like, are you sure? Like, you know, my DP is like, you sure you want to do it? Like, I, and he, he actually helped me design it. And the DP, you know, um, Chris Kimlin really was good at, at designing that shot too. So I give him That's credit. Great. That's great. Okay. I do have one last question and then we can wrap her up for us. Uh, Ricky, I've heard a lot of people talk about when they make a biopic, 
that the the person depicted in the film has to sort of edit their life a little bit. And that can be a little bit of a emotional and maybe painful experience. Is there, can you speak to that at all? Was this difficult for you to look at pieces of your life and say, no, that doesn't necessarily flow well enough for what we're trying to achieve here or anything like that? You know, I've never been asked that question. I've been asked asked 10,000 questions. I've never been asked that question. Um, as far as editing, editing my life, um, the only thing that I would say, period, in this, in this film, what really, like the story that Jeff just got through telling about, about what my father did, and he did not, um, he didn't give my brother the whipping. I didn't even know that that was, they even wrote that in the movie. I didn't know that they even put that in the script. I'll be up front with you. I didn't even know it. But when I got to see it, it really floored me in a way. I got to, I got to go back to this just a second. It floored me in a way because that's exactly how my dad handled it. Exactly. To a T. And I never have, I never did bring that up. And that was, you know, a very touching moment. Um, the only other thing as far as editing anything is, is I would like to say this to you guys so you know whether you're aired or whether you don't, that when I did go up to Red Murph, I had to jump over a 10-foot wall to get on the ball field. And I had to go to him because I'd already been cut off the, there's, you know, there's one big, huge finale game. And that game, it, you know, out of 700 players, you think about it a minute, there only is eight players that's playing in the game, eight players on each side because you've got uh, one pitcher. And then um, for him to give me the opportunity they gave me, but when I walked up to Red Murph, I walked up to Red Murph, and I kind of want, want you guys to really know this, that um, I had tapped him on the shoulder, and he was talking to eight or nine scouts, and he's standing on top of the rubber of the pitcher's mound. And you can imagine this just in your mind. This is a man that signed Nolan Ryan. This is the king of all the kings in the scouting world of putting ball players on the field. And I walked up to him and tapped him on the shoulder and he turned around and looked at me and he said, you know where you're standing? Well, he's six foot six and when he's on the mound, now he's 10 feet tall. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, think about that a minute. You're talking about intimidation. Uh, that's intimidation. And so... I said, no, sir, I don't, because you're standing on the hill. Now, isn't that interesting? Huh. Think about that a minute. Standing on the hill. And so I said to him, I said to Red, I said, Red, um, my name's Ricky Hill. And I just wanted to let you know before I leave this camp that it's a shame you're never going to get to see the best hitter in this camp. 
And he just when he said, you know, uh, if your bat is in tune with your tongue, this by the way, this made Sports Illustrated. Um, he said, if your bat is in tune with your tongue, you're a hell of a hitter. He said, so you honestly believe you think that you're you think that you're the best hitter here? And I said, no, sir, I don't. I know I am. Well, that just really got it. I mean, it really did. That just got it big time. And that's what made this whole thing get started. That we that this even this movie wouldn't even be coming out today had that not happened. And and all the other scouts behind him were things that get me off the field, you know, get me off the field and that I don't deserve it. I don't deserve this shot. And Red Merce said, just shut up. And uh, he looked at me and he said, some reason I am believing you are telling me the truth. He said, so tonight, he goes, where's your uniform? I said, you're looking at it. My, I was so poor. Seriously, guys, you have no idea. I didn't have... I was down there wearing polyester shorts uh, during the deal, and it was just very embarrassing. And you still so, wear those uh, today. You still wear those today, Rick, the red ones. I like yeah, I do. I do. I do. I wear those. <laughs> and then I hand out my hand it over to you. I give them back to you. So anyway, but saying that, I, I'd, uh, he said, get him a uniform and get him ready for tonight's game. And that gave me the chance. That was at 2.30 in the afternoon because the big game that night started at 7.30. I called my, my father home and I said, Dad, you're not going to believe this. When he said, he looked at me and he said, you're going to designate hit for both teams tonight. And I got to thinking about that a minute. You're talking about a big chore. That's um, some heavy lifting. Yeah, and and we're going to play probably ten innings, and uh, the whole the whole town's coming out. C and M's right next door. This is their uh, junior college for and and they're right next door. And the whole everybody's coming out to watch this big huge game, big tryout game. And the next thing you know, here I am, not not deserve to be there, but not not deserving to be there. Around and give me a chance. Him giving me a chance like this was remarkable, and then taking advantage of it and having uh, having uh, I'll just tell you, I had a partner with me that night. How's that sound? Okay. Yeah. And uh, and that night, I just I just ripped every everything that they threw at me. I just ripped it, and. Uh, it was just an amazing, amazing night. I called it a big night. Uh, and to be honest with you, a while ago you asked what happened beyond the story. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what happened that night, and it's going to be neat to hear for you to hear this. I had four cents in my pocket left to get home. The church and everybody had already gone. They already left, and I, I didn't have any gas to make it home. It was on dead empty. And um, I went over there and just parked in the car, put my feet out the window, 
just looked up and thanked God for for this beautiful night because this was a night that no one could forget. I mean, the the uh, scouts, the college scouts, couldn't believe it. Heck, I couldn't even believe it. Uh, but um, saying that, uh, I woke up the next morning and uh, said, "Well, you know what, God? I, uh, how in the world am I going to get home? I got no gas money. I got no gas." And I didn't tell you guys this. I'm also an arm wrestler. And uh, I saw these three got three strutter guys over there arm wrestling that was left over from, you know, from the uh, big camp because those ball players still everywhere hanging out. And I went over there and our arm wrestling them made 15 quick bucks. I had gas money <laughs> to get home. <laughs> I love it. That's a perfect way to wrap it up, thing. guys. That's amazing. <laughs> I thought I heard every story, but this is a new one. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. gents, we we gotta be we gotta be getting going, but we appreciate you so much taking the time to be here with us. The film awesome. comes out August twenty fifth. Yeah. Is that correct? Yes, sir. August twenty fifth. I think tickets right. going to sale the next week or two. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get it out here. I think we're going to air this before like the 15th is what we've decided. So um, they'll give everybody a chance to to put it in there on their to-do list to go out and see The Hill. The story of Ricky Hill, he's here with us. And Jeff, the director, thank you guys. Thank I you really guys. appreciate it. What really a wonderful opportunity. And thank you, my team of Emma and, and everybody else who's on here hanging on, listening to these stories. I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> thank you guys. All right, baseball family, we'll be right back and then we will uh, wrap it up with you. Catch new episodes of the Baseball Together podcast every Tuesday.